Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the student of the game. I am Kyle Nass, the student of the game. And listen, if you're here, chances are you like talking sport. We're glad you're doing it with us here in this particular instance. And of course, whatever the game is, I try my best to be a student of it. And listen, tonight is another example. As you see this, this will be my digital self. Uh, I will actually be in person at the final home game for UCF women's basketball, covering that for the black and gold better at bing. So, hey, uh, in the meantime, we'll still be able to speculate college football through the joys of modern technology. Of course, you're checking this out probably uh, during the live stream on either Sertoba Media or Huddle Up YouTube channel. Uh, if not, my student of the game live feed my on facebook my a7b and sports live feed on facebook i have a twitch account i have a twitter account all that it's probably one of the places you're seeing this if you're watching the live stream or you're in command of the student of the game podcast on any one of your podcatchers uh so in any case uh thanks for coming aboard but listen i know last week we had um eric lopez on of course also of the black and gold banneret bing talking a lot about ironically his nose and the ACC and its impending doom. But there's a lot more going on over and above that. And, and listen, while uh, my guest tonight, I spent a lot of time. Well, I mean, hey, listen, there are times that he was once a member of the student of the game panel. That should tell you plenty. But I spent a lot of time talking with him uh, about UCF and other college things overall. My friend, of course, Stat Boy, Drew, you know him on Twitter, uh, Drew Glucove. We'll get him in here in just a bit. But um, the thing I find interesting with all the movement in college football, we're talking about the five to seven playoff format with the bracketeering, so to speak, to round out the final couple years of the CFP, such as we know it. Now, group of five schools are starting to scatter. The ship is definitely moving and some places are sinking. And hey, listen, I know I talked about a lot about the imminent death of the ACC. Apparently, there's those forces who don't necessarily think it's dying. We'll talk about that a little bit later as well. But for me, here's the thing. All y'all get excited for your video games or all any of that. I don't think the movement is going to be done. I'm going to make a prediction here that into 2030, we'll still be seeing some sort of movement, some sort of things happening as far as a central regulating body at this rate. What's going to happen in the NCAA? There's all sorts of stuff going on that's crazy. And I think it's all being set in motion by Charlie Baker, the president of the NCAA, setting the table for this whole subdivision of college football, right? Essentially, the SEC and Big Ten getting together and basically forming a no-holds-barred kind of paid-for-play thing. I know this has been voiced about it around, and, and, and listen, I am a guy who, in the words of the great Harry Callahan, a.k.a. Dirty Harry, I realize a man's got to know his limitations, so I brought in somebody who can enunciate it well better than I. Of course, I've worked with him in several places, but lately now he's a member of the Sons of UCF. Give it up for my man, Andrew Gluco. What's going on, my guy? Please hold your applause. It is definitely not necessary, nor will I get one. All right. All right listen, uh, somewhere at somebody's computer, as again, we are seeing our digital cells. This is a pretty court uh, episode, a representation. Someone is clapping Jesus out of themselves. Silly. Who knows? It might even be our good friend, former panelist, Stephen Weasel. Where's Hurley? Who knows? Yeah, boy. <laughs> well done. 
I was hoping you'd pick up on that. But yeah, listen, let's get into it. And I think the thing that's just, uh, I know a lot of people quote the Simpsons as predicting things, right? The Trump presidency, among other things, right? I never knew that when you and I were together at the Black and Gold Banneret and I was sitting in one of the press conferences with uh, head coach Gus Malzahn in his first year, you know, change is coming in college football. And UCF is going to be the future of it. Well, less the later part, but more the changes are coming in college football. I had Nostradamus feeling surprised. I'm like, damn, he called that one, dog. You know, like, first of all, I didn't know Nostradamus talked like that. Second, like, how, how prophetic this statement would come to be kind of blows my mind, Drew. I, I mean, we're all over the place in college football, right? Well, I can think of this Terminator. There's a storm coming. We live in Florida for all the storms that are appearing, right? Well, they they and they tend to find ways to get a, away from wherever I'm living, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. The he's he's absolutely correct. And, you know, things are changing. You know, the fact that a guy like Chip Kelly left his post as head coach of UCLA to take a coordinator job. Being head coach is no longer really a coaching job. It's not coincidence. Nick Saban hung, you know, hung it up and, and decided to, to step away. Uh, coaches want to coach, but that's not what college football coaches do anymore. They, they do maybe a little bit, but they're largely uh, recruiters and fundraisers now. And, it's almost unfortunate. Uh, you know, you're seeing, you saw a lot uh, during the offseason, a lot of coaches taking uh, gigs in the NFL. Well, the NFL, because it's structured, it's not the Wild West, it, coaches get to coach. You know, you have general managers, you have office personnel who handle that admin stuff. You don't have that in college. Uh, as a result, you know, Gus Malzahn even said it, you know, the head coach is somewhat of a CEO now. Well, he's absolutely correct. Yeah. It is. And it's well, to, to add to correct. that quick, like I, I we've had a uh, former UCF center um, and current Oklahoma state coaching assistant, uh, Jordan Johnson on here. Even Mike Gundy has started to embrace that CEO role. And this is somebody much like Gus that's rooted in that old school kind of, you know, he wasn't so sure about NIL at first. Now, Gus, I don't feel like he ever had a problem. This is the guy that, you know, you know you're in good company when Deion Sanders is copying things you're doing in the form of the QR codes and Twitter handles on the back of the uh, spring game jerseys, right? But, you know, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. Hey, listen, if you're a white dude over age 60 and you're getting imitated by Deion Sanders, you won the internet, all right? Like, I don't think that's any, I don't think I'm saying anything controversial there. You know, you did something right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and but but I say all the above to say like the Dabo Sweeney's of the world, for example, are going to get left in the dust. I'm on record saying if the if and when the ACC dies, that Clemson is going to be in a very precarious state. I feel like, and they were going to have been taken there by Dabo Sweeney or or any other coach and program who doesn't embrace the new wave. And well. You and I talked about it briefly before we were getting onto the show. Like, I, I'm in a place, I mean, sure, the Pac-12 is literally dead, but the ACC is, like, mostly dead. Like, I feel like it's it's Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I'm not dead yet. I feel fine. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that's what members of the ACC are currently saying. But with what's going on in there, like, I, 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 the first of all, the fate of the ACC, how do you feel about it? 
Well, I mean, let's let's be honest. It's it's definitely pins and needles there. Uh, I don't think it's as doom and gloom as some people are saying it is. Because here's right. here's here's the truth. You know, until you know, once the once the contract ends in 2036, all bets are off. But you tell me that the American has more value than what's left of the ACC. I'm not buying it. You know, it's it's kind of like the the hateful eight of the Big Twelve rebuilding and reloading, bringing on extra schools. You know, the the new the freshman four this year. You know, they got to bump up in their value. You know, there was plenty of others saying, "Oh, they're they're going to be worth." half as much uh it's good as dead you know so uh, i'm not sold that it's dead dead but here's the thing florida state has to you know they 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 have an exit plan you know they have a way out however they got to get some serious coin to the tune of almost half a billion dollars to do it right uh they're looking at private equity which the them leaving the acc is not the big story it's how they get the money Right. that I think people need to pay closer attention to. That's a good Private point. equity entering college sports is a massive case of opening Pandora's box. You think the NIL situation is crazy. Now, you put private equity into it and watch watch out. Uh, I, I think I think this sport gets uh, – this entire industry, college sports, gets turned on its side. I mean, we are tangenting a slight bit, but I'm cool with that because this is an interesting point you bring up. So you're talking about the private equity aspect, which allegedly is already what athletics programs nationwide are supposed to be running on. What's the difference other than the sheer volume? And if it's if the answer is just the sheer volume, please feel free to say so. But what's the difference in boosters coming in? Like, let's take Willie Taggart at FSU, getting that money together to buy him out through the boosters. How is the the raising the equity? Granted, I know it's mass, but what's the difference in raising the equity to get out of, whether it be a $500 million or half a billion, as you eloquently put it, uh, number? Yes, Dr. Evil pinkies are appropriate here, Drew. Thank you for <laughs> filling the gap. You saved me a step. Um, but uh, what's the difference between raising, whether it be that or a settlement that's for, let's say, a quarter, only a quarter billion or a different number. Only. Yeah. I, well, I hope you heard the air quotes in my voice. Yeah. What's the only. Between, yeah. What's the difference between the boosters raising up that only or, or, or as opposed to, like, let's say, raising out bio, raising up bio, uh, uh, bio, buyout money for like a Willie Tiger, kind of like FSU did as an example? What's what's the big difference there? What would be different? Well, let, let's let's take a step back and kind of hit each point. So you talk about the boosters raising money to buy out Willie Tagger. That's money that the boosters send directly to the university. There's oversight now. It's going through the university's athletic you know, department. So there's oversight. The NCAA can, can oversee things. You look at the collective, which is what pays the players. There is no oversight. The NCAA cannot oversee it. And now with the injunction going on with this Tennessee case, uh, there is no restrictions on anything whatsoever. And, and quick, that's specific to NILs and collectives, that case, yes? Right. Now you talk private equity. Private equity doesn't just give money like a booster would. They want some in return. They want ownership. Okay. So now Florida State is basically going to have to sell themselves, literally sell part of the athletic department to an entity. It could be the 
the uh, Saudi Arabian government, which, for example, know, a la LIV tournament uh, for golf, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they helped fund uh, LIV golf. Uh, they also uh, have done numerous other ventures. Uh, soccer, they, blah, blah, blah. Soccer, they have a very close tie with World Wrestling Entertainment. Even though they don't own it, they have a very strong partnership. Good call. Uh, you know, if they're going to invest that kind of money, they need a return on investment that usually comes through through some sort of uh, ownership of the of the entity. So with Florida State, the school being a public school, and the athletic arm is is not a private organization, but it's kind of Florida as a state has laws that allow a certain degree of protection for support arm organizations of the university. It's why if you write UCF to get their apparel contract, which I've done more than once, you will be shot down because they, it's very specific in the state statutes, what they have to give. And that's not one of them. They don't have to disclose that. No, they don't. They don't have to disclose that at all, uh, which is why they don't because they don't have to. So now you're starting to get in some murky gray area. You know, are they buying into a public institution? Are they buying into a private entity? Uh, this is this is where, you know, it's going to get very questionable. So let's say the state allows it, which well, yeah, let- would not surprise me because uh, of how the state has already handled, you know, dealing with the Florida State versus the college football playoff. Right. Uh, well, they'll basically do anything to help Florida State at this point, including <laughs> get them out of the conference, short of giving them, you know, writing them a blank check themselves. Let's uh, let's jump let's jump a couple steps because I, I, first of all, I love how you set the table. Like they have to. What exactly is FSU's booster? Is it truly private? Is it public? That question is. First of all, I got to get through that. But, well, the booster doesn't get any ownership. Well, hold on. That's the big difference. Yeah, yeah. Let's well, and that's what I'm saying. Let's 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 skip that because I mean, bro, that's a that's a separate. I I want Forbes to do a podcast on that, and hey, hopefully they'll invite you, bro. But uh, <laughs> for, for me, the real question is: you mentioned an entity like this trying to get ROI. What would they possibly hope to get in return? What 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 form does this take? Is or would it be a loan? And and how on earth? Like when you're. When you're an entity that buys this, what could you possibly hope to get in return? I guess is my question. Well, I mean, at that point, you know, you're you're taking a nonprofit organization and you're almost having to make it for profit, sort of, because then you have to take a haircut to pay those guys that are bankrolling you. Right. So, I mean, it, again, becomes a very gray area. Uh, I don't know how that's going to work out, and and to be honest, I don't want to see private equity getting into college sports like that. Uh, you, you know that that's a dangerous slope you know at least with the nfl with the private owners uh there are certain structures they have to adhere to as franchises right you know, they have a franchise license as as their team so they have protections built in plus you know they have antitrust exemptions that the ncaa is dying to get their hands on but has not been successful now you mentioned something about well, let's pivot a little bit. Sure. You mentioned Charlie Baker and the in the new subdivision and the work that he's doing. Charlie Baker came out recently and said, uh, in light of what's going on with, with Tennessee and the NIL stuff, that the movement he's trying to do within Congress 
he was not expecting anything to happen this year because of the election year. Right. So he's trying to put pieces in place, but this is a long play. The question is, how long is the current system sustainable before something cracks? That's the real question. You could argue we're already seeing cracks. You know, when, we re- when do we reach full collapse? And, and frankly, at this point, wh- there may even be an advantage in doing it because, you know, we, the statement's been made, Drew, that the uh, college football, such that it is, is only steps away from being essentially an NFL minor league anyway. Sorry, UFL or former XFL or former USFL or whatever the hell we're Start league name here. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, but like, I, I mean, first of all, how good can you be if you don't even have Florida in your league? But all of the questions. Hashtag Kyle's still bitter. But bitter uh, party of one, bitter party of one. At least our guy Andy Seeley has a job. He's with the showboat. So I'll give him that, you know, shouts to him and shouts to Andy Seeley uh, working with Memphis there in the UFL. But, um, the, I guess the piece I, I, I'm kind of groping for here is the one main difference between college football such that it is in this world and the NFL is the complete and total lack of a central body. I'm wondering how much this works without there being one. Or, to your point, do you feel like this is something Charlie Baker's trying to, to put into place to have one kind of built, potentially? Well, he's looking for a limited antitrust exemption. If the NCAA can get that, and and to add on to that, they can even get subpoena power, which would be even better for them for an enforcement standpoint. Mm. But if they can get that limited antitrust exemption, uh, that would set the stage for creating a centralized organization that can create policy that every school has to adhere to. Because you know, you look at what's going on right now. Uh, even before this case came down the pipe, uh, Missouri had a law where high schoolers, if they're gonna go, if they've committed to go to an in-state institution, you know, uh, Missouri, Missouri State, you know, one of those schools, uh, they can start making NIL money in high school. I mean, so like with Florida uh, even being talked about, yeah, they're talking about it because uh, Missouri kind of created the blueprint. Uh, to be honest, the state of Florida doesn't need it. Uh, you know, they, they don't have problem keeping players in state. Uh, <laughs> Missouri is a different story, but that creates an uneven playing field now. Right. Those kids in Missouri have a benefit to stay in in the state of Missouri. So if the NCAA can get that limited antitrust exemption, then they can create this policy that all member institutions have to adhere to. And if they can pull that off, it'll 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 save that part of the organization. The next issue is the Dartmouth case, which is as, as we've talked about once before. You and I, mm-hmm. uh, that that's still up in the air because the truth is, if that becomes nationwide policy, I, I would say a large number of institutions will drop athletics altogether. And, and remind D3 can't afford it. And remind, remind me Dartmouth, the Dartmouth case for, for those that, you know, just the quick recap of what that entailed. The, the Dartmouth case is where uh, the athletes are trying to be recognized as employees of the university. Right. Okay. Uh, we've seen it happen once before with Northwestern. It failed. This is a more compelling case. It's better put together. Uh, it's, it's still, it's going to be 
caught and you know in court for a little while longer. Uh, but I mean, there there's a compelling case here that they could pull it off. And if so, it happens, you first have public versus private institutions. But then when you expand it to beyond Division One, but beyond let me start just beyond FBS. Uh, a lot of these, you know, G five and below schools, FCS, D two and three. Uh, these a lot of these schools run on smaller budgets. They can't afford that. Or hell, well, you, I mean, what about you know schools like UConn, UMass, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, your your G fives and, and down. Yeah, they can't. Uh, yeah, right. they, yeah. You know, where are they going to get the money to be able to, you know, actually pay athletes as employees that's even remotely competitive enough that people will actually even want to go there? So if if they're forced to have to pay a certain amount, you know, at least minimum wage. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, plus benefits and stuff because they would basically be viewed as full time employees. I, I see a lot of schools just saying, you know what, we're going to go club. That's it. If you want to play, it's a club. It's no longer you know a sponsored sport. And yeah, you're going to see you now that can collapse the NCAA for nothing, and and ironically for nothing that they did wrong. It's just. The state and change of college football, such as Gus Mozon said. Now, granted, even Gus will tell you himself, I didn't see all this. But, you know, listen, I, and let me add to this, too. By the way, you mentioned the Dartmouth case about being employees of the university. And this is a mistake I made that you corrected me on. Um, it's different than the, than the Ed O'Bannon case. The O'Bannon case was all about name, image, and likeness, not likeness. Dartmouth, like, uh, like unlike its unsuccessful Northwestern counterpart, actually won. And it was about becoming employees of the university. And, and, and to your point, universities can both be private and public, meaning they're essentially government institutions, right? Uh, right. You've got, you know, you've got your public institutions, land grant universities, you know, your University of Florida's Florida State UCF. Right. Uh, then you have private institutions like, like a Miami or a Duke, uh, you know, or Boston College that, uh, you know, plays by different rules. You know, they're, they would this extend to them? Are they able to opt in or out? Could they say, you know, we're going to play sports, but are, we're view you're handling it differently. So uh, a lot, a lot of people are paying very close attention to this and, and you know, you're going to see more and more stuff come out about this and the potential ramifications that can come from this case. Uh, I, I think this is actually a bigger deal than NIL. NIL is just, you know, the bag man is now legal. Uh, yeah, this I, is I, charging the schools directly to have athletics. Open and, pay for play. Let, let's just call it what it is, right? Name, image, image, and likeness was, hey, at least, you know, I got to peer some stuff. I got to talk. You're going to slap my face on something, allegedly. Any of those things. Cool. Yeah, that's but what, that's not what happened. And we all knew that wasn't going to happen. One problem at a time, Drew. <laughs> but to your point, it's all above board, literally all of it above board here. You set foot on my campus with the express um, intent of playing X sport, because I don't want to make it just about football. Um, ergo, you are a university employee. And it they just, you know, this is how, you know, I'm a little older, ladies and gentlemen. Like my first thought is, so you're trying to tell me a UCF football player could potentially have just to use Florida as an example, could potentially have like government health insurance and my taxes are paying for while, you know, 
Miami will then be taking people to court. I, I can't provide health insurance for all of these players, you know, or, or they'll have to collectively bargain that with, I don't know, Aetna or something like it. it that's just crazy to me. Yeah. I, I it's, this is a this is a big can that I, I prefer not to have opened. I, I you know I, I'll put it this way, and and one of the best pods I ever had was with a former uh, college athlete and and my good friend Brandon Howard, who currently works for CBS uh, doing fantasy sports. Uh, but he was a college former college athlete himself, and he and I had a very interesting exchange. Now, it's not that the the students athletes don't have a valid case man because getting through school is an endeavor especially oh, yeah. in this day and age and, and for all that they endure over and above being a typical student they deserve a lot more tlc than they were getting i don't think anybody's going to argue that and if you are you're just a straight up dummy but <laughs> i think the pen i think what we're saying in the stro in, in the short version here drew is the pendulum is swinging too far the other way well i yeah there there had to be you know uh kind of a middle ground like you know at first was the autonomy of uh the big the, the power conferences mm -hmm. you know uh, the power five hence you know where that name kind of derived from was really the autonomous five and the media kind of created power five so their job originally what their plan was to do things for the athletes to give them better benefits because they weren't making money as as you know, athletes uh, now it's 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 become something very different, and I don't think anyone really anticipated this, nor did they, I don't think they really wanted this either. Uh, you know, this is again, this is it's it's Pandora's box. You know, the ramifications are going to reverberate all through college athletics, even outside the NCAA. The NAIA schools are going to be affected. Anyone that sponsors a sport, an intercollegiate sport, that's non-voluntary is going to feel this and you're going to see the, a potential collapse of intercollegiate athletics outside of a very select few schools. Well, and, and right. Well, I will put that over here for a minute. First of all, you said nobody saw this coming. You and I were out here like Lucifer morning, morning star. We tried to tell you, but you wouldn't listen. We told these people you don't want to do this. Well, I mean, who, but, but who's going to listen to us? Smart people, fool. <laughs> <laughs> well, now they will, but I mean, yeah, this is we saw kind of things moving years ago, right? And, and, and low and, pieces move, but now they're speeding up and, and it's got you, a life of its own, yeah. And here's the thing that worries me too, because we've mentioned the subdivision piece that, that Charlie Baker's talked about. Um, and 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 I think somewhere in there it's talking about um, uh, $30,000 a player. And that would go into a uh, that would go into a fund that would be within the university, thus under NCAA uh, oversight. Uh, that would be kind of in lieu of instead of being employees. That's it. And and you'd have to you know either you're in or you're out kind of thing. And I, I a lot of schools based on their estimated that like their cutoff was okay. If you don't have a hundred million revenue, we're not going. to you probably aren't going to get in here. Well, you, uh, you wouldn't be able to afford it otherwise. Well, yeah. yeah. Now the uh, argument could be made, and and I've I've heard Drake C. Toll of uh, Hooked on Big Twelve as well as Eric Lopez make this point that schools like UCF that have recently transitioned are at a bit of an advantage there because they're used to operating on smaller budgets. And, and I may have made that comment on this very show. 
I, I was going <laughs> to something else you said. That was me. Yeah. I did. Well, that. You, you are a third person who is saying <laughs> what I'm saying. Like a lot of, a lot of people are, are, are grabbing that. I think that's an interesting concept. Thank you for reminding me. I was going to ask you if you were on there. I was building to that. Oh, yeah. On this very show, but it's, it's been a while and I don't even remember what I had for breakfast three days ago. So, yeah. You remember saying that is, though. Uh, yeah right but all that in mind like i i i'm wondering see that's the thing man like uh, we'll make the statement that newer schools have put themselves in advantage to know how to survive a little bit longer well, it's um, not that they know how to survive is that they were already working on a bare bones budget so the conversion isn't quite as drastic they don't have so much commitment already made you know it's not like okay yeah uh, they knew how to that, that spent hundreds of millions of dollars on their stadium and you yeah. know or it's going bankrupt in the process right. you know none of these schools have really done that they've all kind of worked within the means that they have and they're just they haven't even received a new paycheck yet you know people are, oh yeah we got the money now no 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 they have not received money yet the school year is not <laughs> over yeah, yeah right. we're, we're not there yet. So, like, no, these two schools have not received the money that comes from the conference. They're just budgeting for it because they know it's coming. Oklahoma and Texas, not in the SEC yet. Just to say it. Yeah. OJ Simpson, not a Jew. Uh, okay. Well, thank you for that, Adam Sandler. <laughs> now, um, with that in mind, um, if I thought that was a bad joke, I would have said, you blew it. Anyways. Um, Yay, Adam Sandler moments. Random. Anyway. <laughs> um, Meatball sandwich. Yeah, I mean, listen, and I don't blame you for tangenting because this particular topic literally goes everywhere. Like, I have notes, but it's all just intertwined craziness, man. So uh, let me ask you this, too, because something I've seen are G5 schools at this point now seeing that the ship is potentially sinking in other places and, and, and the G5 uh, impact could be incredibly real. Um, hell, I think we even heard recently one of the air quotes independent three in Notre Dame, UMass, and UConn. UMass is joining the MAC. That's how desperate it's announced this afternoon. Yeah, so there you go. Um, so I, 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 movement is coming. I know that SMU, for example, I'm still getting used to this. So if I get the details wrong, please correct me. But SMU is allegedly an ACC member, or I, it's weird. They will be. Okay, great. Uh, July 1st is always when the new academic year starts. Uh, I do believe Cal and Stanford joined like a couple weeks later because of some Pac-12 calendar issues or something. There, There's a little bit of legalese there. So they actually are supposed to join a little bit later. But normally July 1st is the start of the new year. And that's when they're going to join. Now, what, what makes SMU interesting is they're the only school that ever bought their way into the Power Five. Uh, by foregoing, what's it, nine years of of conference payouts, and that money is going to be converted over uh, along with partial shares of Cal and Stanford over to a fund that schools on a performance basis can get. That's how they're able to increase the payout for the top schools in the ACC because they're locked in by that that current media deal with ESPN. First of all, what a damn mess. Second, here's the thing. What I see when you're doing that is jumping into a conference that not beyond a reasonable doubt that the ACC, such that it is, I, I'm pretty confident FSU is going to be gone. Maybe not the coming season, but before the one after. 
Right. I don't think it'd be that quick. Okay. I I, I think there's going to be at least a few years, but but either way, SMU nine. Yeah. Well, SMU did for nine, but the thing is, they raised all they raised over a hundred million dollars in in the matter of like a few days of the of, of this notif- uh, you know the announcement. They SMU is loaded with big time money. And so they were able to make up the losses in almost instantaneously. That's okay. how crazy this is. Yeah, I, I, man, listen, I, I'm not prepared to unpack SMU. Like I said, I still barely understand it. Um, but FSU, let's just put it this way. I feel like the the main thing stopping the, the dominoes falling to kill the ACC is the length of a court case, Right. FSU's case against the ACC is the ticking clock that could determine the final, uh, how you say, the final existing moment of uh, the ACC, right? Because I feel- I'm going to take it a f- state further than that, Kyle. Okay. Uh, that is going to be also big for the Big Twelve because uh, if you break, wait, 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 stay here. Let's let's stay here right now. I, I like where you're going. I want to have that conversation. Let's stay on the ACC specifically this moment because the. I'll put it this way. There's so much talk of G5 teams jumping to the ACC to save it. I don't know if that matters because the ACC such that is, I'll say this, right? And you mentioned precedent with the Big 12. Cool. Let's stay here for this moment, though, in the ACC. If FSU gets out, I said two years, you said it could be longer, and the legal system could be longer, but let's say two years just for the hell of it. I'll even say three if that makes you feel better. That's fine. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um. If FSU gets out, they now have precedent to where, let's say, a Miami or another big ACC brand could then also potentially do the same. And if those pieces start going, let's put it this way. I don't think the ACC, with a declining Clemson, what, a Boston College of Virginia and SMU holds water here. I disagree. Okay. And one reason one is you still have that NCAA autonomy. There's value in that versus an American or a Sunbelt or a Conference USA. Uh, so they have the ability to, to bet. It's not like the West Coast where there's really no one to pick from. There's, there's nothing there. There's, there's the Mountain West. And well, after Oregon, Skittles, yeah, right. After Oregon in the Pac-12, I felt like it was after Oregon. It went zoop, right down the hill. Yeah, once Oregon and Washington uh, announced their departure, it, it was gone. And and another issue with the Pac-12 was was the leadership. You know, they they had a, a, a huge mess. I wouldn't be surprised if there was an eventual merger with the Mountain West that takes the Pac-12 assets, and that becomes essentially the new Pac-12. That would be yeah. fascinating. Uh, podcast topic. Yeah, well, I'm there. There are, there are, there is a pathway to that, and mm-hmm. they left it open uh, intentionally. Uh, as far as the ACC goes, now here you have you have two questions here. It's you know, it's it's not you know whether they they find a way to get out. It's how are they going to get out? Is it the grant of rights is broken, or are they buying their way out? They're buying their way out. That's my bad. I'm assuming they can't break that grant of rights. I'm assuming they buy it somehow. So they come up with the between 300 and 500 million dollars to get out. Who else is going to get that kind of money to do it? it You'll be very hard pressed to get uh, 
that many schools with that much money through some sort of funding mechanism because they're not going to get it themselves. Mm -hmm. So they would have to find a way to, to get that. Uh, say, say Clemson finds a way or North Carolina, you, you, maybe a couple I, I, other schools. I so would have said maybe Miami. I don't think Miami's going to pull it off. Um, okay. I, I don't think let's stick with North Carolina. I think that's a better example. And because we're going to talk about big 12 stuff later with this sort of thing, I think North Carolina is a better example. North Carolina is the, uh, is the most interesting school in the ACC bar none, because mm -hmm. the SEC is interested in them and the big Ten's interested in them. They're, they're probably the only school that really falls in this category where both conferences really want them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you go to Virginia tech, and Virginia are kind of split. If you go to, uh, you know, South Carolina, uh, you'd be surprised. Uh, you, University of South Carolina isn't really warm to having Clemson join their conference. Georgia, they don't really want Georgia Tech. Florida State, the SEC, not really warm on that. They have a better chance of landing in the Big Ten. I'll say this, and, and by the way, that's a big point with the Big Ten, but part of me feels like, in a world where you got blue bloods griping and bitching. In a world. In a world where blue bloods are griping and bitching about disappearing rivalries. The SEC sees an opportunity to rekindle Florida, Florida State. Like, that itself could be kind of the big deal as a selling point of where college football never dies. You know, and you being a Big Ten guy, the, uh, the, um, volume i shouldn't say the volume the gravitas the impact the importance the urgency of ohio state michigan's going to take a hit the game's not going anywhere and you may see it two or three times in a season potentially depending on how the playoffs go but you know the the opportunity exists to where the sec's like hey listen we got the cocktail party which is florida georgia for those that don't know why not Get another rivalry and make the Big Ten look off kilter by comparison, you know. Well, I, as you know, if you if you talk eyeballs, I mean, depend depending on on the matchup and how it is, you know, it's you know one of you know between the Red River you know shootout and the Iron Bowl, Ohio State, Michigan, mm -hmm. uh, you know UCLA, USC, maybe not so much today as it was uh, a few years ago. Um, <laughs> But I mean, you know, those there is value with those rivalries. A lot of it's ego, man. It's ego and control. Um, you know, maybe a school like Florida can be convinced to open the door to Florida State. They had not been warm to it in recent years. In fact, for a long time, there was a handshake agreement between Georgia, Florida, and South Carolina to not vote for any school in their state to get in. So they're looking for new markets. Uh, you know. Florida feels they own the Florida market. And to a certain extent, they do. They are the, the largest, you know, ticket in Florida. You know, no, no mistake about it. It's not that close. I'm glad you said uh, ticket because I'm like, largest how exactly? Because there's there's a there's... they they get they have the, the largest following, they get the the the, the most eyeballs. I it's 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 a hard truth to swallow something, you know, for, for TV us. readings, basically. I mean, let's call that what it is. It's where the value is. They, they also, from an athletic department, make more revenue, make more money. They're one of the few that make a profit and then give money back to the university. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're one of the few schools that can pull that off. Not many can.
Well, and most of that though is SEC money. Um, that well, it's SEC, of course, it all comes back to SEC money, but you know they built their value. I mean, Florida may, you know, Florida football may have struggled the last few years, but you know during the you know, the Steve Spurriers and all that stuff, they they put themselves on the map and have really created a following and it's, value. Yeah, it's the brand, and it's, uh, and it's mean, generational. Yeah. You know, that's where a school, you know, smaller schools like like a UCF, a South Florida, an FAU, that's where they struggle. They don't have generational value yet. Yeah, but they're always going to be behind, be just based on sheer age. You know, there's only you only catch up so much. However, uh, you you know, fast forward a hundred years. I was about to say it's about to reboot because that generational gap is about to die off. Well, I was going to say fast forward a hundred years, you yeah. kind of have more of a level playing field because you've you've created a full lifetime plus mm -hmm. for that you know, legacy to be built. Yeah, the booster program may not be as, as ingrained as far as financially, but you know what? You can still generate a lot of eyeballs there. And, and of course, by then, you know, this is going to be a very different world. Uh, who knows what's left of it yeah, as far as collegiate athletics. But, you know, as far as the, the ACC goes, you know, there's going to be a lot of pieces still left. And if that grant of rights stays intact, those other schools aren't getting out, but I'll tell you one thing, the value of those schools, maybe cherry picking the best of the rest is going to be more valuable than the Sun Belt as it is, than the American as it is, than the Mac as it is, you know, so I, I don't think it's dead as long as the grant of rights is not broken. So you think the grant of rights is 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 keep is life support? Oh, if it's broken, um, you know the floodgates open. Not only does it open for the ACC, but it opens up for the Big Twelve, which you know has essentially the same thing. You mm -hmm. know, one was based off the other. So if they find that, that the grant of rights are null and void, that you know, it's a free for all. You know, there's nothing holding. Big 12 teams where they're at. There's nothing holding ACC teams where outside maybe exit fees, which can be negotiated. The best of two can come together and create a whole new conference if they wanted to. But they, here's the thing. Here's the practical thing that's stopping that. Um, and that's that's that the media companies would have to back it and have to pay for it, basically. Right. So I, I say all that to say. Knowing that ESPN is hemorrhaging cash, for example, such that it is, right? They had the big layoffs or whatever, and, and, and all the, the personalities are gone, and that's alleged due to all of Disney's financial troubles and, and what have you and all this. Um, does the media have the, let's just say, fiscal, fiscal chutzpah, if you will, the fiscal fortitude, ooh, now I have alliteration, the fiscal <laughs> fortitude to, to deal with such a reboot on that level, I'm not sure they do for anybody that's not the Big 12 or the SEC. Well, yeah, depending on how many schools would be in play in this, you well, know, if, if it happened. And this is way speculating. Real, yeah, you are. But real quick, like you use the term floodgates. That's why I'm like, that's a lot. That implies to be a lot of movement, right? Well, it would have to be a lot of movement because you would have to have a majority of both conferences vote for dissolution. To be able to pull it off. So if you vote for dissolution, say, and this almost happened in the Big East before UCF joined it. In fact, they had the conference had to uh, kind of backdoor Temple in, which is why they joined as a full-time member early, 
to, and in fact, why they came in the first place, uh, they're the reason why the Big East was not dissolved by the Catholic Seven. It's the only reason they survived. Uh, and it was through some, some backdoor stuff uh, because uh, technically by the rules, if you read it by rule to the letter, then nah, it should have still been dissolved, but neither that's here nor there. Question. Yeah, that's history. So if a conference gets dissolved, which usually requires what three-fourths of a vote, you'd have to look at each bylaws. You're talking 12, you know, 10, 12, 14 teams involved in this on both sides. You're now creating what, you know, their own version of a super conference, which would be your, your number three conference. Mm -hmm. And you can shed the schools you really don't want. You know, the Boston colleges, the, the, um, uh, the West Virginia's potentially like problem children, air quotes like that. Well, it, you know, who knows exactly? I, I would imagine the freshman four that joined this year would all be on the cut list. Every one of them. Uh, okay. You know, oh, easily. Uh, they they by far have the, the le least value. Uh, maybe BYU being the only exception, but no one really wants to deal with it. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, if, if it was more of a marriage of necessity than like, oh, we really want you because we want you. That's we can help each other. Uh, if, well, like, well, your dad's loaded. All right, come on in. You know, yeah, pretty much. Well, not so much SMU. Your dad's loaded, but you know. no, no. I meant with BYU to the Big Twelve. Yeah, well, they they needed a school that one was available, two had a large following. Yeah, it's, and it's no could and can help command value. Right. You know, well, let's not mince words. West Virginia, when you pair them with Pitt and Louisville, has value. Uh especially Pitt. I mean, it's the only reason why I I actually will tolerate uh, Sweet Caroline is because of West Virginia fans. Uh, otherwise, I absolutely hate that song. <laughs> Go look it up on YouTube. West Virginia, yeah. Sweet Caroline. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll table that because, yeah. Anyway, so, okay. Let's just, no, say, but, let's just say they don't like Pitt. Got it. Uh, but it's stuff like that. That actually would be a way to kind of almost bring back some of those regional rivalries that have been nixed. Uh, but you know, it's such, it's such, uh, so many variables in place. I don't think it's likely that'll happen. I think it's incredibly unlikely. Uh, I think it's more likely that Florida state will, will be able to find a way to buy their way out because they've got a price tag. Now they can start selling themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think them and maybe one other will get out. I don't think anyone else is going to gather the money to, to, to do that. You're talking, uh, you know, in the range of 300 to 500 million dollars down the drain there, there's no you don't you don't recoup that that's down the drain and right. uh go to another conference and and try and and you know do what, whatever you're going to do there and make some money and and pretend like you're like a big fish in a small pond which you're not going to be yeah that's the other thing you know texas moving over to the sec they're they're not the big fish anymore you know they're, they're going to be just Another fish. Oh, fish. Yeah. They're going to be another fish. And I think that's going to be a culture shock for them. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what that uh, produces myself, be it Texas or Oklahoma. But uh, listen, Drew, I'm going to go ahead and cut it here. We're, we're going 45 minutes here into this topic. World building with college football. I, I think that's what I'm going to call it. College this. football Minecraft. Basically, man. Listen. <laughs> uh, but Drew, an honor, joy, and privilege to have you aboard. Tell the people where you can be found, my guy. 
Well, you can catch me on Twitter at StatboyDrew and at SonsOfUCF.com. Uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit of the offseason for me, so I'm enjoying the, the short break, but we'll, we'll have stuff going on later in the basketball season and into the uh, the silly season of the summer. Hey, listen. And I There's know, some alliteration for you. I, I, I enjoyed it. First of all, let me be clear. Looking forward to the opportunity to share press box with you again in the fall, um, even though uh, it will probably be at the expense of your superior social media reach. Anyways, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, listen. I'm not a good marketer. <laughs> yeah, this guy. I'm not even starting that conversation with you here, buddy. But Drew, thanks for coming aboard, man. Um, we'll catch you next time. Of course, I am Kyle Nash, the student of the game. You can find me on Twitter at the SOTG. Find me on Instagram and threads as well. The SOTG. Find me on Facebook as the student of the game. Check out my writings with the Jaguar Report, the three-point conversion, and the black and gold banneret, where I am currently covering women's basketball, depending on what time on Wednesday night you see this. And um, thanks again to my guest, Drew Glukov, for helping me Minecraft the <laughs> college uh, athletics. Trademark. Yeah, exactly. The college athletics uh, landscape such that it is. But uh, until next time, my friends, class dismissed.